and salutations. This is the Bob McCown Podcast. I am the aforementioned, and that is uh, John Shannon up there beside me uh, with his thumb raised in the air for reasons that are quite inexplicable. Acknowledging the people on YouTube. That's all I'm doing, acknowledging the people on YouTube. Excellent. Send them a note. Um, or snail mail or snail mail? Uh, whatever you prefer, John. Whatever whatever I, works for you. I always Maybe like you using just walk around and knock on their door. <laughs> No, you can't do that anymore, Bob. Say hello. Well, not during the pandemic. Not during the pandemic. Uh, player agent Alan Walsh is uh, with us with um, a few things to discuss. I, I want to get right to the beginning of this, as you know, we've gone, th- we've just gone through a season like no other. Uh, in sports, everything has an historic uh, perspective. We we in- inevitably look at what has gone on in the past to determine what should go on in the future. And yet we have now just gone through something that none of us have ever been through and hopefully won't be go through again. And I'm intrigued by how you feel this has impacted your business and your clients and how it will impact what comes next. Alan? Well, that's the thing. What comes next? We're heading into free agency. Uh, it's remarkable. A couple of months ago, if someone had said to me, um, will this plan work and will we actually make it through the playoffs and uh, get to a Stanley Cup winner, I was skeptical. I was really skeptical we were going to be able to do it without a positive test, to do it without um, uh, some interruption to the Stanley Cup tournament. But now that we're here, the economic reality of the NHL uh, and the new CBA is in front of us. And we're dealing with an 81.5 million flat cap that may stay flat for another three or four years. Teams plan ahead. NHL teams were planning on an $84 million cap minimum this coming season, 2021, and 88, 89 million in 21-22. That's gone. You have a lot of teams with some very good uh, restricted free agents who are coming up for deals that would traditionally get long, bigger deals now, the way the money is Uh, in the CBA, push the money down to the younger guys. And what we're going to see October 9th is restrained spending from NHL teams for two reasons. Number one, the $81.5 million cap. Number two, we have no fans in the building. NHL owners are losing money in their other businesses. And instead of giving the GM the okay to spend all the way to the cap, I'm hearing from GMs and some owners that teams are actually going to be, many teams, for the first time ever on a strict budget, somewhere in the low to mid seventies, which is going to put further pressure on the marketplace. 
so Alan, the, the other part of this is, is that we've, we, over the last few years, and it's may have changed a little bit in the, in the renegotiation of the CBA is we've seen huge signing bonuses, structured contracts where there's a ton of cash put out front and then a, a smaller number for the actual annual salary. Uh, none of these teams have very much cash right now in terms of, of the real world. Are we going to see different structures if we see free agents sign? I think we're definitely going to see a different structure, and here's why. This coming season, there is, a flat, there is an escrow cap set at 20%. Plus, there's a further 10% deferral on all compensation which includes signing bonuses. So if you front load a deal the way they used to look, where a lot of the signing bonus in cash was paid out in the first couple of years of the deal, you as the player are going to take a 20% hit in escrow, guaranteed, because there's no way the players are going to get $1 back from escrow this year or next year. And next year, the escrow hit will be somewhere in the 18% range. So the structure that makes the most sense now is to put as little cash as possible into the first couple of years of the deal. If you're an um, elite player in the NHL, and let's say you're approaching free agency and assume for this player, he already has 20, 25, $30 million in career earnings up to this point. He's 26, 27, 28 years of age. He's hitting the market. Cash flow is not the overriding factor. It's keeping as much cash as possible from your deal is what the concern is. So if you don't have a cash flow issue and can push money into the outer years of the deal, remember this, in years four, five, and six of the CBA, the escrow cap is 6%. That means you're guaranteed of getting at least 94% of the face value of your contract right. for those years. And that's assuming, that's assuming that the hockey business, the sports business returns to some level of normalcy <laughs> by year four, five, and six, correct? We can only hope. Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So as an agent, how do you mitigate specifically the situation that we, you, the players, everybody finds themselves in? What do you do? How can, how can, you, how can you reconstruct contracts? How can you reconstruct thinking in order to 
maximize the value for your clients, understanding the parameters that exist. Okay, here are a couple of the, uh, the challenges and some of the ways that you can address it. Uh, the concern of a player, if he's putting more of his compensation into the outer years, is getting bought out. Right. And that would mean he'd be taking uh, two thirds of the contracted value subject to escrow. Right. So that would be in years four, five, and six, another 6%. Mm-hmm. So what you do in the outer years to mitigate those risks is you take most of the money in the outer years in signing bonus. And signing bonus um, cannot be bought out. So you're only buying out what they call the paragraph one salary. Uh, In that way, you're avoiding as much escrow and deferral as you can in the first two, three years of the deal. And you're guaranteeing yourself, if you don't need the cash in the first couple of years, you're guaranteeing yourself the um, largest amount of net earnings off your deal that you can possibly get by taking it and signing bonus in the outer years. So, so based on that, Alan, uh, you, you, you've already said that you think that, uh, or you, you have the, the thought and been told that some teams are going to be a little conservative in their cap issues. What you're talking about is there, there is a little bit of risk play teams can take if they structure a contract like that. So why, why wouldn't there be teams being prepared to be aggressive as of October the 9th? Uh, I think there's, there's a different buckets of teams. There's the teams that have unlimited budgets and they can spend to any amount subject to the cap. Right. And, and what's going to restrain those teams is the reality of an 81.5 million cap. Again, not just this year, but if teams spend aggressively, what's gonna happen next year and the year after when some of their restricted free agents come up for new deals and there's no cap space to sign them? Well, it's going to be difficult to make those deals. But number two, you also expose yourself to a possible offer sheet. And we saw an offer sheet last summer. Everyone sort of scoffs at offer sheets as, um, oh, they never happen. Well, to me, an offer sheet will work if you have a team that is totally capped out and they have to match an offer within seven days. Mm -hmm. If it's a matter of betting a team won't spend to that amount, but they have the cap space, you can't lose your players. You're going to, Carolina had no choice. The moment I saw that offer sheet, I knew instantaneously that offer sheet was going to be matched. But if the team had no cap space, that's a totally different animal, and we haven't seen those offer sheets yet. So what do you, how do you expect general managers to react here? Are they going to be looking for shorter-term contracts? Does that, is that even 
a solution for them. At the end of the day, principally, we are talking about a flat cap for the next year or two or three or even more than that, potentially, because right. we don't know how long this thing is going to go on. And we don't so, know. We, we also don't know where all the, the new revenue is going to come from. Like, are sponsors coming back? What's the new TV deal in the United States going to look like now? Well, there, I, there I, are a I, lot of questions. Of course. There are a lot of questions. Of course. And, 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 um, and, and none of them are answerable at this point. What, what we do know is that the ratings in Canada for the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs were not great. And if you're an advertiser, you're probably looking for some relief from that. So the economic picture is at least uncertain. Now, that's not unique to the National Hockey League. It's going to be the same for all sports. But so do you expect, what do you expect general managers, presidents, teams, how do you expect them to react? I think the way they're going to be reacting you know, the NHL is very much uh, a reactionary league as opposed to a league where general managers come into markets with new creative ideas. Usually, it's follow the leader. A team wins the Stanley Cup. Every team wants to build, every GM wants to build their team in the model of the team that just won the Cup. If you're fast and skilled, all of a sudden fast and skilled players are at a premium. If you're big and heavy, all of a sudden there's a run in free agency on guys that are six foot three, 235 pounds. And I think what you're going to see now, based on the number of free agents that are out there, Strictly going back to what I always default to, which is just the basic laws of supply and demand, there are a lot of players that are going to be looking for deals. And I think general managers this year, the, the top, top guys are always going to get their money. Always. Anymore. They will always get their money. But once you get past the first top elite guys in each position. I think looking at the players available, there's a drop off. And then looking at what's going on economically, I think GMs this off season in, in October are going to be uh, much more patient and willing to let a few days go by before and until the market coalesces to numbers around a certain player. And that's going to control. Alan, I've maintained that uh, uh, the last two CBAs uh, has uh, been the, the beginning of the end of the middle class in the National Hockey League for players. The high-end guys, as you said, are always going to get their money. You know, they're always going to get, you know, close to $10 million, whether, whether it be Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or Artemi Panarin. Uh, but it's that, you know, eight-year pro that has worked his way up to getting four and a half to $5 million that this winter may get a million two, a million five, just because of what you talked about. This is, this in the end, a combination of the flat cap, the pandemic, could be a, a time where a lot of players in, in that middle class may not have jobs by Christmas time. 
They may have to wait until the start of the new year when just before the season starts. And that's going to be a little bit of a shock to some of these guys. And there, and, and yes. And, and with shock comes fear. Right. And, and players are very similar in, in hockey as they are to other sports and very similar to entertainers. You know, part of what I do, people always ask me as an agent, what exactly do you do? Okay, you negotiate contracts and you've got people who provide financial advice and you build a structure around them. But what really do you do? What's the essence of what you really do? And I think if you break it down beyond the obvious, part of what I do is trying to get the player always from a psychological perspective to reach his full potential. And players, like everyone else in society, are racked with insecurities. Many times, the better the player, the more insecure they are. Players have depression issues. They have anxiety issues. There's a much different feeling around the player and his family when the player is in the second year of a six-year deal mm -hmm. as opposed to going into the sixth year of a six-year deal. Right. Uh, Am I going to change teams? Do I have to move my kids out of school? You know, my son loves his school. Are we going to have to say goodbye to all our friends? They're thinking players are human. They think about these things. And all these things get in the way sometimes of being able to go out on the ice and play to your full potential and maximize your performance every single day. And part of that is you build the relationship from early on where you become someone they trust and you're always honest with them, whether it's good news or bad news. When you can deliver bad news to a player, they will always listen to you and respect the message you're giving them. Those are some of the keys. But right now, there is a lot of anxiety amongst players because no one knows. I don't know. You don't know. No one knows exactly how this UFA market is going to play out, how, this, how the offseason is going to play out for all the other players. Mm -hmm. Are we going to play next season? My best guess is, of course, but how do we know for sure? When are we going to play? Well, the NHL still maintains December 1 is aspirational, but let's be honest, we're not dropping the puck until sometime in January, right. if that, right? Playing 82 games, that's not going to happen. No way. Not between middle to end of January and a week before the start of the Summer Olympics, if we have an Olympics. So these are the types of questions I'm having with players every day. Um, do you want to, I, I don't want to preamble too much of this. Do you want to address the Marc-Andre Fleury situation? 
and uh, the controversy and uh, conversation that surrounded the actions uh, there in, in Vegas? Here's what I'm comfortable saying right now. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury uh, has made it very clear. He gave an interview last week to Jesse Granger of The Athletic, and Marc-Andre Fleury said in that interview that he loves Vegas, he loves the community, he loves his teammates, and if it's his choice, he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He said that, that's been communicated, um, and that's where we are right now. To go back in time and discuss some of the things that have occurred, I don't think it's productive right now. I don't think it's the right time to revisit that. Maybe there will be a time in the future. That time isn't now. But I think what's most important is that everybody realize, as we sit here today, if you ask Marc-Andre Fleury what he wants, he wants to play the rest of his career in Vegas, and he wants to retire a Golden Knight. Well, I, I, I know you don't want to revisit it, but do you, uh, with, with everything that happened, do you regret putting out the tweet? I don't regret uh, anything that has occurred. Okay. I don't live life with regrets. Uh, and, and to be honest with you guys and, and, and everyone else, I've never really cared what people think respectfully. I don't, I don't operate my business. I don't represent my clients caring about what other people think. The, the interesting thing about it, when you talk about free agency, the, the goaltender market is one that's, it, it's, it's fascinating when you think about how many quality goaltenders. Henrik Lundqvist is now available uh, as a, a free agent goaltender. Um, and he might have a year or two left uh, to play as well. Um, you're going to, you're going to have to have some hard discussions at some point with Mark Andre. Cause I don't, this is me. This is, I don't, I don't sit and talk with Kelly and George every day, but if they do sign Robin Leonard, they're not going to, uh, they're not going to carry two goaltenders for, you know, 12 and a half or $13 million. It's just not going to make any sense. Is it? We'll see. <laughs> well, the economics are one thing. Um, what does Marc Andre? How does he feel about a platoon system, or even being a backup? Or um, this is a guy who has been the number one certainly since. Hey, no, hey, Bob. He's been the face of the that. franchise. He, he's, of course, he is, has. He's been the face of the franchise. I saw a chocolate statue of him in a casino one day. Well, look at nobody knows that better than I. Um, you know, I'm sort of a Vegas guy, so I, I get all that. Um, and so, you know, the situation that happened last year was rather shocking to me, surprising at the very least, shocking at, at, at the worst. But, but where does that fit, Alan, in, in the decision-making process? If it's possible for Vegas to carry two goaltenders, and one of them is Leonard, and, and the other one is Fleury, but it's made clear that uh, Marc-Andre will be, for lack of a better term, a backup or at the very least share the duties. Is that a factor? Um, Mark was actually asked in the interview how he felt about that exact situation. And he made it very clear, he answered very clearly uh, on this point. 
Uh, he, he has a very good relationship with Robin Leonard. This has never been about Robin Leonard at all in any way. Uh, they are friends. They work well together. Uh, if they're both together in Vegas next year, Mark has no problems working closely with him and, and going forward. Now, Mark did say, I don't want to be just a backup. But I would put that into a little bit more context. Marc-Andre Fleury, and I've been working with him since he's 15 years of age. He's 35 now. We've been together for 20 years. He is the most competitive person, most competitive player I've ever known. There's all kinds of stories about him from Pittsburgh and in Vegas, breaking sticks if he lets in a goal in practice. He will battle for every puck. He will battle for the net next year. You can tell him, our plan is for you to be a backup. Uh, he won't accept it. And, and, I, and I, when I say that, not in a bad way, but he will continue to battle for his number one job. And I think as a coach or as an organization, you want your players thinking like that. But he has said, whatever happens, I am committed to Vegas. I have no issues with Robin Leonard coming back and we are a tandem together. And whoever plays, that's going to be a coach's decision. Hey, I, I got to ask you, I mean, we can beat the flurry story to death, but I think it's, it's going to play out somehow, some way. Next week is a draft on Tuesday, Wednesday, then free agency starts uh, on the Friday, uh, which is a, uh, which is a busier time for you. I mean, cause I, I used to love watching you at the draft, walk around. You, you, you were, you were like the, uh, the good humor ice cream guy shaking everybody's hand uh, at, in every arena, albeit now it's going to be virtual, which is a bigger time for you draft or free agency. Uh, they're both different. They're, they're, they're different. Uh, it's different aspects of the business. I would say free agency is a busier time because you're managing several different negotiations uh, simultaneously. So you have to really seamlessly, you're getting on the phone with the GM, you're speaking with him or her, well, him, you're talking to an assistant GM, you could be talking to an owner, you then get on the phone with your client, you're talking to your client's wife, um, you're then getting a call from another GM on another player and you're talking about a completely different situation. You're making offers, you're receiving counter offers, uh, and, and that is a continuous cycle uh, throughout the day, starting at 4 a.m. in L.A. Mm. and going until late at night. Uh, the draft is more... Uh, saying hi to people you don't see every day. Um, it's, it's more relationship building, certainly not as stressful uh, for the agent, maybe for the players who are about to be drafted and their families. So it's, it's not as stressful. And, and really the draft has always been, for me, a fun time, uh, free agency, three, four days of that. And 
you feel like I used to feel at the end of a long murder trial. Uh, well, a busy week. Either way, uh, coming up, uh, we uh, will let you do whatever preparedness you, you require at this point. And we thank you very much for taking a few minutes for us today. Nice to see you. And uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to chat not too far down the road. Thanks, Alan. Always a privilege being with you guys. Alan Walsh. Say hello to Springsteen. Uh, we'll see <laughs> Alan you soon. Alan loves Springsteen, Bob. This is the podcast. <laughs>